you're here, you already sense there's something out there, something magical and mysterious, just waiting for you to find. And you've probably already discovered it isn't as easy as just thinking happy thoughts. You're not alone. Generations of shamans, philosophers, seers, and scientists have pursued this eternal quest. Where their ideas come together, you'll find powerful tools to cultivate magic and self-mastery in your own life. Welcome to the Magic and Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Donna Woodwell. I'm a former journalist, an author, a master astrologer, and a hermetic initiate, and it's my honor to be your guide. In each episode, I'll meet you at the crossroads of science and spirit, reason and intuition to help you discover the wisdom that works for you. Are you ready? The adventure awaits. Hello, and welcome to the Magic and Mastery podcast. This is episode 009, Entering the Tarot World. Sounds cool to me. Before we can head off for other realms, we need to talk a little bit about stuff like Plato and the power of the imagination. And since we'll range far and wide in this episode, to make it easier to refer back to the bits you're looking for, we've added headings and timestamps to the show notes. You'll find those at magicandmastery.com slash podcast. And one more thing, be sure to stay until the end when I share an experiment that you can try out for yourself and see how the magic works for you. Now let's get started. You know, when I was in grad school, one of my classmates quipped, Donna, can't you ever answer a question without starting with Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden? And the answer remains, no, not really. Because it's hard to truly understand what things mean without the context of where they came from. In other words, if you want to understand tarot, we've got to talk about Plato. No, not the colorful kids molding clay, but that's an amusing pun now that I think about it. Anyway, our Plato was a Greek philosopher from the 5th century before the Common Era, so that's about 2,500 years ago. He was born in a wealthy family, wanted to be a playwright, but ended up writing some of the founding texts of modern Western philosophy. He didn't invent all of his ideas. Plato merely synthesized earlier traditions. In context, the pyramids were already two millennia old when Plato was writing. In other words, he lived at about the halfway point between the building of the pyramids and us today. So, though we ascribe ideas to Plato, it's much more likely he just captured ideas that were already ancient. It's just that so many copies of his works were made that we still have access to the text today. In Plato's cosmos, reality is actually more than just the physical world. Now, the physical world, as you know well from your personal experience, extends in time and space, which allows for separation and diversity. Sometimes I call it the world of kickable objects. And I know some new age types don't like the concept of words like separation because there's a philosophy of, you know, we're all one. But really, it's the separation that allows us the power of infinite creativity and personal identity. Without it, there'd really be no me and you, just a uniform pool of mushy goo. Now, Plato called it the upostasis, though I like my 80s movie reference better. Anyway, now, back to Plato's cosmic model. If you think about physical reality as the horizontal dimension, Plato posited it also has a vertical dimension. The cosmos itself is divine and conscious, and this divine mind contains the thoughts and patterns and other blueprints for creation. 
Now, in order to move from the world of divine ideas to the physical world of kickable objects, Plato posits an in-between realm. This in-between space, call it the imaginal world, sometimes it's called the astral plane or, or the celestial plane, bridges the divine world and the material world. It's kind of a fluid realm that clothes the eternal ideas of the divine mind with desire, time, and space. I know, sounds really heady, yeah? Why do you care? Well, you care because you also exist on these three levels. But when you can't comprehend all three of them, you are forever imprisoned in matter. In other words, you're living in flatland. But fortunately, you have the keys to unlock your cage if you learn how to use them. You need look no further than your own imagination. That's the gateway that links your everyday awareness to infinity and beyond. Rather than trying to explain it all how it works, why don't I just show you with a little guided visualization? Good guided visualizations leave lacuna. Those are spaces or gaps, invitations for the imagination to come out and play. So let's imagine for a moment that you are walking along a forest path. Notice the trees around you, the smell of the air, the sounds of the forest, and the crunch of the path underneath your feet. Now here, I'm giving you a framework, but it's your mind that's filling in the details about what it means to walk along a forest path. It likely looks a little different to you than it might for me. Forests look different in different parts of the world, for example. Now, a visit to the local nature preserve here in Texas will look different than where I went to boarding school in British Columbia, and different still than where I lived as a child in Pennsylvania. So let's return to our forest journey. Let's say as you're walking along that path, you come along a clearing. In the center is a glass smooth pond. Now, as you come to the edge of the pond, the reflections of the trees and sky shifts into another image. Notice what image lay in the pond before you. Now, this is another invitation for your mind to fill in details. But this time, it's a more open-ended invitation. Anything could appear in the pond. Hey, maybe you see dragons from the movie you watched last night, or the solution to a problem you've been working on, or your grocery list, or the location of a lost ring. Really, sky's the limit. I didn't suggest anything, so you are filling in the gaps. The question is, which you is filling in the gaps? Now, it's common if your relationship to your imagination is a little rusty, that our talky mind steps in with all kinds of expectations, you know, shoulds, self-recriminations, to fill in those lacuna, those spaces in our lives. It says things like, what should I see here? Am I doing this right? Oh, this is silly. Why am I doing this at all? But to navigate the interior realms successfully, it's all that inner chatter that we've got to learn how to quiet. Now, my hermetic teacher called it learning to look without looking. Carl Jung called it the active imagination. Because you have to be in this special place in your mind, you have to be actively engaged in allowing energy to flow to the vision and not the mental chatter 
but without interfering with the quality of the vision. I know it's an odd feeling. I remember when I was practicing with an experiment my teacher gave me. I was frustrated because nothing was happening. I felt like I was staring at a blank wall inside of my head again and again. I was supremely frustrated. When something finally happened that was just a little bit different, I had barely had the experience for just a moment when my talking mind pounced and said, look, look, what's this? How does it work? How did I do it? Let me take this apart and organize it. Poof, the experience popped like a bubble. I was both sad and amused because I finally got what the look without looking meant. It meant I had to learn how to have my imaginal experiences, allow them to unfold and witness them without mentally grabbing at them, and yet still be aware and active in the process. Well, clearly, it's something that takes practice, but almost everyone can learn. You know, it helps by starting to reimagine what you think of as I. What does it mean to be me? Now, most of us identify with that endless stream of chatter going on in our heads, which is what I was calling the talky mind. And then the strange images in the pond or our dreams or whatnot come from somewhere outside of ourselves. But that image is a little flawed. Carl Jung likened the self to a vast ocean of which the talky mind is just like a cork bobbing along the surface. I think of it more as an infinite cave in which the talky mind is like a little flashlight illuminating a small fraction of the whole. But whatever you want to call it, it's the great work of humanity to bring more of what's in that vast ocean to our conscious awareness. Jung called it self-actualization. Alchemists called it turning lead into gold, and others just call it the process of enlightenment. But fortunately, we can practice using the lacuna in our daily lives to make space in order to communicate with our larger self that's lurking in our unconscious. And as I talked about this last week, tarot is a great tool for beginning this process. Now, through the power of synchronicity, Tarot images can give shape to unconscious processes so you can see them and work with them. And that's how tarot readings work and why practiced readers can provide such amazing, insightful commentary into your own reality. But your tarot work can go even further than this. The tarot themselves can serve as the lacuna, the windows into what's going on, to what's going on in your unconscious Now, if you remember a moment ago, when we took a walk in the woods, I gave you a frame, I gave you a nudge for you to have a certain kind of experience, which you then filled in with details from your own personal unconscious. Well, tarot cards are also like a frame. They're a nudge that you can use to enter into a dialogue with that oceanic unconscious. Now, of course, the process can work with any image, But the tarot images do relate to specific, potent processes within the psyche. In essence, they are highly efficient windows that get you directly to the place in your own mind field where you'll find the loaded, juicy bits, so to speak. And hence, you'll walk the path faster. 
since our episode conversation is kind of morphing into an experiment, let's just get started on this week's exercise so you can try it out for yourself. If you happen to have a tarot deck, get it out and choose a card for you to use during this experiment. And if you don't have a tarot deck, don't worry, you can still play too. I've included a link in the show notes to a collection of tarot images. You can just call up one on your computer or your mobile device and use it as an example for this exercise. Prop up the card that you chose or the screen in front of you. If you get distracted easily, you may want to do this in a slightly darkened room with a light on the front of the card or the screen illuminating the card. Now, imagine the edge of the card as a doorway that you can walk through or a window you can climb out of. The image on the card is what you can see on the other side of this gateway. Allow yourself to relax as you gaze at the card for a moment and notice all the different elements. Are there people, animals, buildings, roads? As you relax, your gaze may soften or your eyes even close. Feel yourself being drawn into the scene on the cards. From here, you can explore the tarot's inner reality. All those things you couldn't see before because you were limited by the perspective of the frame. For example, what do you notice about the characters from the cards that you didn't realize before? Has their clothing changed? Or what do they look like now that they're three-dimensional? Look like on the backside. Or what about the landscape? What else do you see? Are there other people there that weren't included? Or other buildings? What does it look like and how does it make you feel? Maybe you have questions you want to ask the characters you meet along the way. What would they be? Well, ask them and see if you get an answer. Now, you can explore this image as long as you like. But when you do come back, grab your journal and make a few notes about the experience. In a sense, it's like writing down your dreams. If you keep track of your experiences, after a while, you'll start to see patterns emerge. And you'll even develop a feel for your own inner landscape, which can only help you deepen your magical practice as well as your relationship to tarot. In essence, it will make you fluent faster. Now, if these exercises in imagination sound intriguing to you, and you sense the potential to transform your life, then definitely check out my Magic of Tarot course that's starting soon at my School of Magic and Mastery. We'll be doing this kind of journey work with all the cards and even more rituals besides. But that's because the course is designed to do more than just make you memorize a bunch of card meanings. By helping you understand the logic and meaning of the cards and by encouraging you to develop your own personal experience with them, you'll quickly become fluent in the language of the cards. In other words, you'll become a master of tarot. Now, you'll find a link for the course in my show notes at www.magicandmastery.com podcast. And to make it a little easier for those who are struggling with finances during the pandemic, I've decided to extend the early bird rate a few more days and added a six-month payment plan option. Again, the show notes are at www.magicandmastery.com slash podcast. I'd love to have you join us on our adventure. 
So thanks again for tuning into this episode of Magic and Mastery with me, your host, Donna Woodwell. As I said before, I love getting feedback. It helps me to know what makes you jazz so I can provide more of the good stuff. So it would mean so much to me if you would take a moment to rate and review the podcast. And if you like it, why don't you share it with a friend? 